Flashing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Georgia is a state that values life. We protect the innocent. We champion the vulnerable. We stand up and speak for those unable to speak for themselves. Through the Life Act, we will allow precious babies to grow up and realize their full God-given potential. Instead of trying to engage on a level playing field and, I don't know, actually doing some work, you merely silence the dissent. This is classic authoritarianism. This is the rhetoric of authoritarian tyrants. Yet we're the dangerous ones. Really? I don't know of any president in our lifetime who's carried as many negative burdens from the political class as uh, President Trump has. I think as we get beyond that, uh, as he continues to do a good job, his numbers are going to keep going up. Uh, and as people realize, you know, uh, you may or may not like his style, but you sure have to like his results. And now, Stacy Washington. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do not have enough show for the show today. And that is not me exaggerating. I also don't have enough cool air in here. Um, the weather in Missouri is just killing me. So that's why if you're watching the live stream or if you're listening on terrestrial radio on one of the umpteen number of states that we broadcast to here at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk, you might hear the sound of me fanning myself with this newspaper. Um, I am trying to avoid buying a fan for in here. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. Anyway, today on the show, we are going to be chatting with Terry and Barbie Franklin of Love Sings, The Artistry of Marriage. They're going to join us to talk about their, uh, they have this fantastic program. It's for couples. Um, husbands and wives can do this together. And they've had 34 years of ministering through family worship, prayer events, marriage retreats in the U.S. and 40 countries around the world. And so we are so excited to have them on the show today. Uh, we are also going to be talking about this video of this, these kids at this Philadelphia Islamic Center. And the kids there are actually singing about chopping off the heads of the infidels. You, me, your kids, my kids. They're singing about killing us, y'all. And they're singing about it in the sweetest little children voices. Like if you would hear them, you'd think, oh, what are they saying in Arabic or Farsi or whatever their language is? And if you knew what they were saying, you'd be like, oh, my goodness, somebody call the Department of Homeland Security. So, of course, they've got somebody investigating the Muslim American Society, which has on numerous occasions been involved in these kinds of stories. So they hardly have the credibility to be able to investigate this. Sorry, not sorry. They shouldn't be the ones checking it out. Anyway, um, we are also going to be talking about uh, in just a second here, Tiger Woods getting emotional during his Medal of Freedom ceremony. And I want to tie that to a couple of things that we have going on Um and then you heard the audio coming into the show. Paul Joseph Watson is one of the people who was suspended from Facebook, not really because of himself, but because he's affiliated with InfoWars. And so we're going to talk about that and listen to a couple of points that he's made. And I got to say, I felt a little bit of like a little bit of condemnation when I was listening to him about I've talked about it on the show, but what else have I done? So we'll get into that in the third segment. As always, you're welcome to call the show at 866-963-2037. Don't forget to go over to StaceyOnTheRight.com and hit the subscribe button. All right, so let's get into our encouragement for today. Jesus answered, this is John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to 
to the father except through me. No one comes to the father except through me. So no matter how fun Oprah Winfrey might make it sound to say that all religions lead to heaven and lead to God, and no matter how many people might say that this thing or that thing can get you there, the Bible is clear. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And as Christians, we have to be emphatic about that, unapologetic about it, and we have to be willing to put our foot down about it, even if it means unpopularity, losing so-called friends, having people want to ridicule us for being, you know, maybe you carry a Bible with you everywhere that you go. Yeah, I do. It's called a cell phone. I have a Bible app on it. So what? We have to be willing to go at these people, not in anger, but in a sense that we know we're right. If you don't think you're right, if you're unsure about it, then you're not going to be able to adequately defend what it is that you say you believe. So we have to get this into us. It has to be a part of us. It has to be what we breathe, what we live, what the way we're walking, the way we're talking, that we know that Jesus Christ is the way. And if that's upsetting for people, you know what God said about Jesus and the sort of truth that he's a, he divides mother from daughter, father from son, husband from wife, because some will believe and some won't. Not your problem to worry about anything beyond telling the truth and doing so in love. So that's the encouragement for today. All right, I want to get through uh, and, and listen to Tiger Woods. And this is such a redemption story. And I've, I've always thought, oh, Tiger Woods, he's such a great golf player. I've always thought, you know, what an example. And then when he went through his trials and his tribulations, I wondered if he could come back. And I even said, I, I remember saying to my husband, you know, um, he's such a success story. And it's so sad to see him go this way. And my husband said, yeah, but he could theoretically, you know, he could bounce back. And I said, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that could actually happen. Well, it's been years, over a decade, in fact. And he hasn't just bounced back. He's come back in such a strong and amazing way. And so let's listen to him here. He's receiving the Medal of Freedom from the President of the United States, who he just happens to be very good friends with. And after having the medal draped over his, his you know, he has a tie and a suit on and everything, so it's draped over his neck. And then he steps up to the podium, and he had something to say that I thought was so, it's encouraging for all of us to hear a man of this stature who fell from so high to so low then come forward and, and share this kind of kind of emotional return it's number four. I just want to say this has been an unbelievable experience. And uh, to have the support that I've had for all these years, and everyone here has seen and been with me for some of you for my entire life, and, uh, and some of you for more than half my life. You've seen the good and the bad, the highs and the lows. And I would not be in this position without all of your help. Um, in 97, yes, I, I won the Masters. And <clears throat> I was there to, I ended up hugging my dad and my mom. My dad's no longer here, but my mom's here. I love you, Mom. Thank you. And <clears throat> Sam and Charlie for all your love and support. Um, I love you guys so much. Erica, thank you. I mean, everyone has meant, you guys have meant so much to me in my life, and um, I've, I've battled, I've, I've tried to, i tried to hang in there, and I've tried to come back and, and um, play, play the great game of golf again. I've been lucky enough to have 
had the opportunity to do it again and uh, found a game that has allowed me to do this. And the, the amazing Masters experience that I just had a few weeks ago um, certainly is part of the highlight of what I've, what I've accomplished so far in my life. And so, you know, obviously, I, I sincerely, was, one of the things I've noticed is ever since the Masters win, he, um, he hugged the girlfriend, Erica, and then there's been a lot of attention placed on her. She's the girlfriend, you know, they've been together for a while. Um, and, and they kind of do, you know, a lot of those like top five facts about her and things like that. And I, it's my understanding that they're living together. And so, you know, obviously he's a grown man. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. But I just wish they were uh, putting forward that good example of being married to each other instead of just cohabitating. But all in all, it's a wonderful redemption story for him to have gone through not just physical injury and so many other things that have happened to him, but to really his fall from grace was the revelation about his extramarital affairs and his addictions and uh, his divorce from his first wife. And so it's one of those things where you just it's just nice to see something nice. And it's nice to see someone that really, I believe a lot of Americans had counted him out and said, you know, he's done, he's gone, and it's time for new younger players and new blood, which uh, of which there are, are a lot of really talented new up-and-coming players. But for him to come back in this way, it's, uh, it's encouraging. We, it, and it just shows you we can come back. We can come back. So uh, any one of us, no matter what the, the obstacles or how far and low we might have fallen, we can return. Uh, so now, let's now get to this. And, and I mean, I'm interested in hearing from you what you think about us having people who've emigrated into this country and they're speaking another language. They're going to schools that in which they only speak their language of the homeland, the one that they were either rejected from or they ran away from or they somehow left that place to come here where we all speak English, at least the most of us. And instead of them learning how to speak English and going to American schools so they can learn how to be Americans and continue the traditions that drew them here, because they they didn't move here because it was an Islamic country. Have you noticed that? They don't move to Islamic countries. They do not emigrate to Islamic countries. They want to come to Western nations where Christianity is the foundational basis. So it's it's just odd to me that they have these, this is the Islamic Center of Philadelphia. And they have the kids, they're adorned in Palestinian scarves. They're celebrating Amma Day in April. But the translation by Middle East Media Research Institute, M-E-M-R-I, reveal the threatening nature of their lyrics. They're talking about conquering Jerusalem and then beheading people. The children sang about subjecting their enemies to eternal torture, beheading people, retaking the Al-Aqsa Mosque achieving martyrdom as members of Allah's army. I mean, it's very detailed for them to be so little. They're singing in perfect pitch and harmony, and they're enunciating each of the words about the the killing that they're going to do. Now, the Muslim American society, which has its own spurious history, said they will, uh, they issued a statement apologizing for the songs. And they said the incident was an unintended mistake. And this is like one of those things where, you know, a, a, an abuser says, oh, that was a mistake. It, it's not that they're sorry about it. It's not that they will never let it happen again. It's they're sorry that you know about it. They're sorry that the police or, or you know, officials know about it or Department of Health and Services or, or Family Services. They're sorry that people know 
what's happened. They're not sorry that they did it. And they fully intend on doing it again. These kids, here's what, what one, one of the girls in the video, she says, and I didn't, I didn't clip the audio for you because they're singing in Farsi or some other language. And you won't be able to see the subtitles, you know, listening on radio. So there's no point in me clipping that for you. Here's what the one girl is saying in the video. We will defend the land of divine guidance with our bodies and we will sacrifice our souls without hesitation. We will chop off their heads. We will liberate the sorrowful and exalted Al-Aqsa Mosque. We will lead the army of Allah, fulfilling his promise, and we will subject them to eternal torture. So the uh, Muslim American society in their statement said, while we celebrate the coming together of different cultures and languages, not all songs were properly vetted. This was an unintended mistake and an oversight in which the center and the students are remorseful. The MAS will conduct an internal investigation to ensure this, not, does, this does not occur again. Now, obviously what they mean is the next time the kids sing about taking Al-Aqsa Mosque back, the next time the kids make known their intention of growing up and doing the jihad wherever they find the infidels, uh, specifically the Israelis, but anybody else who stands in their way, like us, you know, Israeli-loving uh, Israeli Americans, um, they're going to make sure that the next time they do a song like that, there aren't any cameras running. I mean, come on, y'all. Let's can can we just be real for a second? We know that they're not saying they're never going to sing these songs again. They're saying, back to their statement. This was an unintended mistake and an oversight. Yeah, having cameras running when we're singing about how we're going to destroy the infidels, that's not a smart thing to do. We shouldn't have had those cameras there. If they didn't believe in the stuff that the kids were singing, where are the people jumping up and walking out? Where was the person walking over and cutting the camera off? Where were the people? This was back in April. I mean, this is early May, so it's, it's recent. But where are all of the people protesting outside of their Philly Islamic Center. Why, why don't you see tons of Muslims coming out and saying, not only do we not agree with the uh, Islamic Center of Philadelphia, but we also feel like the Muslim American society doesn't have a legitimate basis with which to investigate this, this instance. We, we want someone from the outside to come in and talk to us about what this should look like. We, we want to open this place up and show the curriculum and everything else. We want to give people an opportunity to see that this was an anomaly, that we normally teach the kids about the Constitution and how to be good Americans. I'm, I'm sorry, are you hearing those crickets? Because that's what I'm hearing. I don't hear anybody say anything like that, which is why I don't believe this drama. All right, when we get back, we're going to have our first guest. Stay right there. When an abortion-minded woman walks into a pre-born pregnancy center, she encounters love and compassion and gets to meet her baby by ultrasound. And I was like, I'm gonna go to the abortion clinic. And I already had my mind made up. This mom didn't make it to the abortion clinic. Instead, God led her to a pre-born center. And the lady is giving me my ultrasound. She's like making these weird faces and then she's like, it's two. <laughs> And I'm like, I just start crying. I start texting my friends and like, I can't. The Ministry of Preborn was able to help this mom save not just one life, but two through ultrasounds. Preborn centers help save babies' lives and souls. Preborn runs and leads Christian pregnancy centers all over the country. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. 
That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I had lunch with a good friend who pastors a large church. We were talking about pitfalls in ministry, things we should guard against. He said to me, you know, Crawford, I've learned that I have to be very careful about what I say in conversation with some of my members. What I say can be twisted and misused. We all need to be careful about what we say and to whom we say it. Psalm 39 verse 1 says, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle while the wicked are in my presence. There's some sage advice in this verse. Sage advice part one. Live in such a way that your life tells the truth about your words. He says, I will guard my ways. In other words, I want how I live to back up what I say. So if people take something I say and twist it, you can always point to my pattern of life and the consistency of my walk will tell the truth about what I say. Sage advice part two. Don't sin by what you say. He says, I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle. Don't say too much. Watch the tone. Watch the intention. Sage advice part three. Don't say too much around ill-intentioned people. He says, while the wicked are in my presence. Not that we unjustly judge folks, but if you know someone doesn't mean well and they have a track record for gossip, that's like giving the alcoholic the keys to the liquor store. You don't want to go there. Be careful. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. Trust and confidentiality are gifts not to be given hastily. Know to whom you're talking, and please be careful what you say. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure to welcome our next guest to the program. We have Terry and Barbie Franklin of Love Sings, The Artistry of Marriage. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Stacey. It's good to be with you. Hey, great to be here. Wonderful to talk to you. So let's talk about your ministry, which you've spent the past 34 years talking to couples and ministering, not just in America, across the country, but in 40 countries worldwide. So you're an international ministry that promotes biblical marriage. And you have these sessions where it's six sessions where people can come together and use your materials to kind of tune up in more than one way, because you can right. kind of use that both ways because yep. you guys are in music, um, <laughs> yep. tune, tune up their marriages. So tell us a little bit about how this came to be. Yes, Love Sings, The Artistry of Marriage. It's a six-week video curriculum uh, that we host, and it kind of draws from parallels you know, between music and marriage. We've been in music for the past 34 years. It's what we've done uh, as both a ministry and, I guess, vocation uh, starting out as singer-songwriters. And so we take the things that we've learned from music and we kind of use that as a template for uh, teaching on marriage. You know, every marriage, kind of like a good song, it it requires the right balance of, you know, melody and harmony and rhythm and that kind of a thing. So we share personal stories and uh, uh, from, you know, the times that... <laughs> we are together yeah, all yeah. the time. We're together and 24 for 34 hours a day. years. <laughs> I was telling, on, on one of the shows, I was telling uh, somebody that... You know, my dad and mom, when I was a kid, my dad would leave 
the house at, I don't know, 6, 6.30 in the morning and would usually get home around, I don't know, 6, 6.30, something like that. Then on the weekends, he was an entertainer, so he was gone. And the amount of time that my parents spent together wasn't a lot of time. And I'd say maybe for a lot of couples, maybe that's the case. Our, our, our situation is a little different. We've had kind of together all the time. So we've had, I'd say, we've probably seven or eight marriages <laughs> worth of time together. So, hmm. so, so we've learned some things, you know, of, of trying to work things out with each other and uh, and supporting each other. And we're hoping that this video series, we're so grateful that uh, AFA has really gotten behind it and produced this. Uh, uh, Austin Brooks and the whole uh, American Family Studios team really did a great job putting yeah, this together. We, so we're, really we're hoping that churches will use it, like for small groups. Uh, individuals certainly could purchase it, but uh, you know we hope that folks will use it to to make a difference. Okay, so that that is that is fantastic, and and I think anything that we can do to promote marriage and to make it more of a priority and to elevate it to something that people are actually working on right. is something that we should all be in favor of, especially godly marriage because that that's the only marriage that really lasts yeah um so when we're talking about the curriculum i noticed in my notes here we have six sessions session one tuning up your marriage the lyrics of love the beauty of blending dynamics of the heart relaxing to the rhythm and when our song comes together so how did you decide because i know when when you get hit with something and you're like we're doing this and you're making something you're creating something new you can sometimes have an overwhelming amount of content, but you've kind of honed this down to a laser fine point of six sessions. How did you come up with six instead of eight? And what is the benefit of it being the length that it is? Well, actually, because we've been traveling in ministry for 34 years and we started doing marriage seminars probably 25 years ago, I think it was. And and we have really seen across not only America, but in many other nations around the world, that there are certain things that couples always deal with. Mm. And it's the same here in America as it is in other nations. And we've done, you know, marriage seminars translated into other languages around the world. But it all comes back. It just seems to uh, come back to the same types of things. And God has given us tools in his word and as we have learned and also seen uh, the things that couples deal with we try to put not only a biblical template there you know pull because that's what we do is we pull from the scriptures uh, for the needs that that we have and for needs that we see others have and what we have done is just applied that you know and and used musical terms. So, uh, you know, you can imagine harmony is something that we all need in our marriages, unity and, and blending is something that's, you know, unique to every couple because you have strengths and your spouse has strengths. And when is somebody singing on melody and the other one supporting with the harmony part? When is, um, you know, how, when do you switch? How do you decide what, you know, what is a priority in your life, in your marriage? How do you agree to disagree? How do you deal with conflicts? You know, these are all things that couples deal with worldwide. Stacy, when you get down to it, we're really promoting partnership in, in marriage, a, a team spirit of looking for, and that's really what that last session, when, when our song comes together, that's kind of what it's putting 
forth is the idea of finding a team mission for your marriage, something that uh, you can do as a couple. Uh, it might be something in your church, but it could be something that just is a blessing to other people. Coaching Called by a li- God, you know, you, know, you coaching have a, a mission. Coaching a little league baseball team. Uh, uh, even something, I mean, this crazy, we know a couple that, that, this maybe sounds carnal to somebody, but they know that they're good. Both of them work and they're good at making money. And what they do is at the end of every month, they sit down and they, de- they decide where they're going to give and support ministries. Actually, that's not carnal at all. That's no, God not. calls us no, to do that. No, it's wonderful because yeah, it's absolutely. nice to do it as a couple if they can agree. They I know do. that's a source of disagreement for a lot of couples. But they actually how do much it. To give. They actually um, every month it becomes a fun thing for them. They sit down and they they decide who can we bless this month. What can mm-hmm. we do to to be a blessing to somebody? And I tell you what. Ministries all over the world are grateful for folks like that. They yeah. must really feel good doing that. It feels so good to be able to give out of what you have and and not worry that you won't have enough. And right. Um. So I I I I have a question, which is a lot of times. So my husband and I have been to a ton of marriage retreats, and you know we we've done a whole bunch of stuff, and some of it was fun. And some of them were not that fun. Sure. I'm, not, I'm just going to be honest with you. Sure. And I remember one we went to where the whole weekend was kind of just like scripted for us and we didn't have any free time. Yeah. And at the end of it, we were we were a little tired, but we were really blessed. It was actually great content. But later when I asked my husband if he would want to do it again the next year, he said, no, I, I think we need something that's a little bit more of a mix. So because we're we never get to be alone we should have some t- free time to you know, catch a meal or just spend some time alone together as opposed to having every minute controlled. Now, this is something that we have the control over. If I was to get this and do it with my husband, we can just watch it at our own pace, one a week or two a week or however we'd like. Absolutely. But what are the results that people see? Like afterwards, after they've done the six weeks, do you hear from people and, and they tell you that they've had breakthroughs or, or improvements, anything like that? Well, one of the things that we have uh, had responses to is that we um, encourage couples to learn how to pray together, even if it's a short uh, you know, five minutes or something every Daily. day. Because yeah. what, what we see is... In, in our own marriage, we saw, even though we had been in the ministry and we weren't really focusing on, on praying every day, but, but together. But when we started doing that, we began to go in one direction together and it unified us so much more and the power of prayer and the power of worship in our homes and families and marriages uh, changed our lives and ministry. And <clears throat> we also go into, you know, the importance of your relationship. And I know that sounds crazy because it that's what marriage is, but mm-hmm. relating to each other in situations where you can bond and and having times of, of dating and and um you know joy together where you're relationally working together rather than just, you know, taking care of the kids. Okay, well, when are you going to go to the grocery store? And, you know, those kinds of things. It's so important that we prioritize. And we go into these things and see that couples, you know, say, I, I've never experienced praying with my husband before, and this has changed our lives, and I'm so encouraged. And, you know, God answers prayer. You know, Matthew 18 talks about, agreement in prayer and how important Uh it is. 
So. It is, especially in a marriage. It's yeah. it's amazing how many things, you know, and I'm not I'm not speaking about anyone specific, especially not my husband, but I'll just go ahead and say, especially when women get together, there tends to be a spirit of kind of my husband's not doing blah, blah, blah. <laughs> One way to solve that, and I, I've yeah. actually begun to share this because I've seen it work in my own marriage, is if you pray for your husband, right. the Lord will... He either makes him less annoying to you or he makes him stop doing some of the annoying stuff. You can't tell which one <laughs> it is. That's a great way to it's put just, it. Yeah. It just happens. And then right. if you go the extra step and pray with your right. husband, you won't notice that he's annoying. <laughs> right. The Lord will just blind you like it was when you first got together in your first six months. Your husband never, ever annoyed you. He never, he right. was never annoying. Right. He, the Lord will extend that out for you and let you experience some of that mm-hmm. in the present day as, instead of, you know, that first six month honeymoon and then it's over. And I tell people that all the time now because I actually, I actually can say from my own experience, the more we pray together and the more I pray for him, the better our relationship is which is what God has exemplified yes. in making marriage, the husband and the wife, and then him. Yes. And that replicates the Godhead. He's three persons in one. He also says in his word that a triune cord, a tricord cannot be broken. Yes. Right. Um, and he talks about that, you know, when you get together, if you have a hard task to do and you ask your brother to help you, you know, woe to the man who falls and is alone, but a man who has a friend has someone to help him. And the friendship in a, in a marriage relationship is, is very much like that scripture. So yeah. I think one of the things we have to do is commit to taking the time to do something like what you've created here. Like instead of saying, well, you know, we need to take a vacation or we need to go do this or go do that. We need to find the time a week to do something like this. Like, like this is a, should be a priority for couples. Yes. And you, you bring up something. You, you're talking about the unity that's within the Godhead. That is a... a just a small piece of, of what we bring out in session number one that I, I hope your listeners would really pursue the thought of what was the what is the harmony like between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's complete unity within them. There's complete love that goes back and forth each other. They're, they're like a good singing group. They completely blend everything. It's not hierarchical. It's not like a hierarchy that's... Uh, uh, no, they submit to each other. They're constantly working with with each other. What an amazing God we serve. And wouldn't it be great if marriages would work in that kind of a way to where, uh, you know, there was such a partnership, such a unity. Uh, so in tune with yeah, the so Lord. In, so in tune with the Lord to begin with, and then in tune with each other and, and ordered as God intends within the home. So. That's what, yeah, uh, I think that's beautiful. And it's a great goal for all of us to have, whether, you know, your marriage is 40 years on or if it's like we're in we're in our 20s. My husband and I have been married for over 20 years. Yay. And then there are others who've been, you know, they're more at the seven years, the three years. And there can be times where you're so overwhelmed. You're like, did I make the right choice? This is a crazy town. You know, marriage, kids, family. How am I going to get through all of this? Well, none of us are getting through this on our own. We're all right. doing it through the right. grace of God. He yes. enables us to carry on. And I love when I when I meet people who are so in tune, like you and your wife are in a symbiotic relationship. You've been going for so long that you're spending all this time together and it's not a burden to you or an exercise. It's It's the state of your marriage. And that to me is so encouraging for those of us who are coming along behind you. We can see, you know, I don't spend as much time with my husband as you do with yours. But I definitely spend a ton of time with my husband compared to some other women that I know who, you know, go out of town a lot and all of that. 
And um, I, I enjoy it. And I, I often wonder, you know, what will it be like in 10 years? What will it be like in 20 years? Right. And the example that you're showing here is that it will be good, that God will continue to bless. Um, tell us, okay, so is each session an hour or an hour and a half? Each, How long are the sessions? Each session is about 35 to 40 minutes, something oh. in, in that range, 37 minutes. So like a TV minutes. show. Like yeah. a TV show, okay. exactly, with yeah. no commercials. So, well, and it's yeah. got discussion yeah. questions in the guide, and so, right. you know, you can talk about things you could even go on a date and talk about it you know if if you want to fellowship with other christians i mean Uh brain science is saying that it's healthier to to fellowship and worship together with other believers than to go to uh the gym exercise uh eat right or 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 sleep well yeah it's actually healthier barbie to fellowship you're speaking my language here yeah tell us more (laughs) i mean it's hard to fit in the exercising and the eating right it's not as fun it's not eating right well and i i wouldn't cut all of that out but i am saying that you know brain science is showing that when we get together in fellowship as believers and certainly you could you know as a couple you could call a few of your friends over and say hey can we eat dinner together and pull out a video and and do this for six weeks? Because mm. I think we'll we'll get some encouragement here and learn mm. some things. That is a wonderful yeah. idea. And and couples get together for other stuff. Go to movies Absolutely. together, watch football. Yeah, That's so true. this could be one of those, especially with the length you're talking about. So thirty minutes or so, you actually have enough time to then eat afterwards. You could potluck that. Oh sure, like, sure, sure, you could. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay, so what, what would be your number one selling point when when people are done with this? What is your hope and prayer that they take away from the from the curriculum on the whole that they've just finished? I would say I'm I'm hoping that they'll pick up the prayer component, the praying together. To to me, I, I just I know we've touched on that, but I think it's just it's it's an integral part of what so we were doing. And we came back to it a lot in, in the seminar just because it's life-changing, and I hate to admit, but, I mean, Barbara and I have been married 36 years, been in the ministry, full-time ministry for 34 years, but for many, many years, we didn't make a daily uh, practice of praying together as a couple. Mm -hmm. Uh, We would pray before our meals, we would pray for the kids, we would pray for this and that, but when we started praying together, it started to change everything. Prayer changes things, and uh-huh. prayer is bringing revival all around the world as we lead worship and prayer. And we're seeing couples' lives change through getting intimate with God and worship uh, Him together. Mm, fantastic. Terry, Barbie Franklin, it was so nice to meet you over the airwaves. Thank airway. you, Stacey. Good to meet you. Um, thank you so much for what you've done here. Go to afastore.net or call 877-927-4917. The entire program is $24.99. We'll be right back. This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book, Uncommon Marriage. The Bible's number one instruction to a husband is to love his wife. And that means working hard to listen to her heart on issues and then striving to meet her needs. Sometimes for a man to be successful at loving his wife, he must put her ahead of himself. I have to remind myself that being head of the household doesn't mean I make all the decisions for our family. Ephesians 5 says that a husband is to love his wife sacrificially. And Tony does that for me. Even after 30 years, we're still learning how to love each other. And that's what's exciting. An uncommon marriage is one where you never stop learning and never stop loving. 
Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage, learning about lasting love and overcoming life's obstacles together. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Stand by. The BSAC Radio Show spotlights Christian rap artists. But never try to put me on the pedestal. The Lord is working on me. I'm getting better still. Hear in-depth interviews and news about upcoming releases. What's your motivation? motivation. motivation. is the biblically sound artist coalition. Ready or not, ready or not, Don't miss the BSAC Radio Show. Saturdays from 10 a.m. to noon central on Urban Family Talk. Stephen Black. Because my molester spoke to me while being molested that I had somehow caused this, I had a deep sense of darkness and shame. The thing that I see in others is ministering to them, this deep sense of shame. And that's what brings about healing once that is discovered that their innocence was taken from them. The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference is coming June 20th through the 22nd. Learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. Securing America. China is stealing technology secrets from other nations in an effort to modernize its military, according to a new Pentagon report. China's continuing use of cyber theft, its targeted investment, its exploitation of a private Chinese nationals' access to foreign military technology, all to support its modernization goals. Randall Shriver, Assistant Secretary for Defense for Indo-Pacific Security Affairs, says the cyber threat from China is persistent. The Chinese remain very aggressive in their use of cyber. Uh, what's changed is our level of awareness and the steps we're taking to reduce our own vulnerabilities and working with partners and allies to do the same. The report says China has been able to acquire anti-submarine and aviation warfare technologies. China is also working to develop hypersonic missiles, which can travel many times the speed of sound as the nation ramps up military spending. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. So surprised to see conservative thinkers like James Woods banned from Twitter and Paul Watson banned from Facebook. Donald J. Trump retweeted your tweet. Thank you, Mr. President. Very cool. But while tweets are nice, we need action. A handful of giant corporations have seized control of the new public square and are digitally disappearing dissidents. The first rule of Facebook is don't talk about anyone who Mark Zuckerberg doesn't like, otherwise you'll be banned by Facebook. This isn't a joke, it's literally their new policy. They're not just banning people, they're dictating the opinions that everyone on the platform is allowed to have. Merely appearing in a photo or a video with someone who Mark Zuckerberg doesn't like is now enough to get you banned. This is virtually identical to the communist Chinese social credit score system but instead it's controlled by giant corporations with more power than some countries. Except at least in China it's written down so you know how to stay in compliance. So that's Paul Joseph Watson talking about his ban from Facebook and uh, his point there that what, what we have traditionally railed against for China, what we've said about China, and I, I have to be so perfectly clear here, uh, and welcome back to the show. Call lines are open at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Look, I've said it a million times. Other people who are much more scholarly and advanced and uh, accomplished than I have have said it. 
Communism stunts growth. It stunts creativity. It eliminates the impetus by which human beings seek to better their circumstances and the circumstances of those around them. If you know that if you if you create something wonderful and the government thinks you're doing it out of some kind of like you think you're so hot that you could be hauled away to a gulag, you're not going to do it. There's something innately repressive about the idea that everyone has to be exactly the same and only the government knows best. Look at what China is doing to their Christian populations. They're burning their churches to the ground. They're making them remove the crosses. They're taking their Bibles and replacing them with communist Bibles that say that the state is who you should worship, that the leader of their country is who you should ultimately bow down to and give all of your allegiance to. That stunts creativity. And so they can have, they could have 6 billion people in China and they would never be able to match the creativity that comes out of the United States because we have gifts that God has endowed us with. And instead of our government saying, we gave you those gifts, we're the reason why you have those gifts or your gifts belong to us. Our government under our constitution says, God, our creator gave you gifts. He gave you rights. He gave you responsibilities. Our job as the government is to enshrine those gifts and abilities and freedoms in a way that they can't be infringed upon, not by the government, not by your fellow citizens, and not by foreigners. As long as we hold on to that, we'll continue to pump out the creativity that, you know, and the other thing is there's nothing like an American mom. And I'm not saying that because we don't have our share of bad moms or moms that are, you know, poverty stricken or what have you. But if you look at the things that look at any successful person and you'll often find that it's their mom, their parents, their, you know, their mom and their dad. It's there's someone that, that poured into them. Maybe it's their grandparent. Maybe it's a, you know, an uncle, but it's a family member, but primarily it's moms and dads who pour into these kids. And what comes back out is the kids are gifted and they go out and they have something to do. And if you think about it, just boil it all down to this. If you believe and you've been told since the time you could hear words that you were created for a purpose and that God has a plan for your life, you are much more likely to say, wow, I noticed that, you know, um, computers are awful and they have black screens with green letters. I think computers should look like the pages of a book and should be interactive. And I also think that computers should be fun and not just utilitarian. And there you have Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. You know, I, I think we should be able to do this in sports or that in sports. Just, th- just think of the innovations that we have here in this country and how people are constantly coming up with it. It starts on late night infomercials. You'll see someone and they're like literally sweating, kind of like I'm doing. They're, they're like all excited saying, oh, my goodness, I, you know, there's just ah, this product I've made is so great and you've got to try it. You know, two payments of $19.99. Before you know it, that product's on QVC and the next thing you know, it's at Walmart and you can buy it. You know, the as seen in on TV section at your Walgreens. Um, These are people who saw a need and they made it. There's a guy here who lives here in St. Louis. Uh, They live in the city and his wife was a dog. She's still is. She's a dog groomer. And she used to come home at night and complain because all of the, the brushes they had to groom the dogs with had a kind of a defect in the way she would hold it and the way that they would comb the dog is basically they're combing for the dogs that have fur, they're trying to comb out the under fur to get that out of the dog so that the dog shed le- sheds less. So she complained about it. And, sh- and her husband said to her one weekend, he said, what 
what would the brush look like? Like if you had a comb and you had a brush, what would they look like if you could make it whatever you wanted so it would work well for you? And so she drew a crude like line drawing out on a sheet of paper of the comb and the brush. The husband went into his garage. They had a detached garage with tools and, you know, woodworking equipment. He made the brush and then gave it to her and she used it at work and her coworkers wanted one. So he started making them and she started selling them. Now they sell these brushes all over the country. And most groomers, if you have a dog that needs to be groomed, if you ask him about this brush, I can't remember what it's called, but I remember her telling the story to me. I was at a luncheon and she's telling the story to me and a group of other women. That's how it came to be. But you can't have people creating products that serve a need in your country. If your country says to people, everyone has to think exactly the same way. Everyone has to worship the same way. Everyone has to have just the one kid. Everyone has to work in the job that they're assigned by the government. And everyone has to agree that communism is the only way that, that we are your overlords and you are belong to us. You, you have to look that up if you don't get that reference. So that's the difference. It will always be the difference. Um, and we were even more, it, it's hard to believe, but we were even more creative when we had the Bible in schools, when we had kids learning that you're, you're not just some animal. You're not some glorified animal. You are God's creation made in the image of the living God, the God who created everything seen and unseen, who has always been and always will be the God who literally said, I'd like to see planets. I'm going to make a universe. And then all of the things he made, he created them out of his own mind and that he is ultimately, in spite of all of that magnificence, the utter glory and, and beauty and utter indescribability of God, he's still deeply and just absolutely obsessively interested in each and every one of us and that he can have relationship with all of us at the same time and not ever be tired, not ever need a rest, not ever take a nap, not ever need a vacation. That knowledge, that's the spark of creativity that the Chinese want to replicate. And since they cannot replicate it without admitting that their system is a failed one that only brings death and destruction, they then choose to steal from us. And they've been very good at it because we've had a lot of limp-wristed morons, lunatics, and idiots in charge of our country um, negotiating with the Chinese and giving them everything that they want. And now that we finally have someone who is willing to say, not today, Zergy baby, not today. Now we have people screaming and losing their minds. Um, deranged beyond all belief because they just can't handle it. And so I got off on that tangent because Paul Joseph Watson is talking about communism and China and their totalitarian rule over their people. And he's comparing it quite aptly to Facebook. And in this next bit, he, oh my goodness, he said so many great things in this video, and I don't know if I put it up yet. I'll have to make sure it's up at Facebook if you want to link up to it. Um, but he, he's saying things on here that are so bedrock conservative, bedrock freedom and liberty type beliefs that it's hard, it's hard to comprehend that we don't have this audio playing everywhere around the country that teenagers aren't listening to it. And, you know, go, somebody hasn't gone out and made a Paul Joseph Watson t-shirt, you know, uh, about how he's speaking about this. Now we can't, there is some audio from Snoop Dogg who literally has called out his, you know, followers 
um, to post all the things about Minister Farrakhan, which you guys, obviously, I don't agree with Minister Farrakhan's beliefs, his statements, any of that stuff. But under the First Amendment, he has every right to express himself. And the question has now become, which of these actions by Facebook follows along with what they've agreed to in their deal with our government that they can't be sued, that they have immunity from lawsuits over libel and slander, et cetera, et cetera. So here is Paul Joseph Watson again, talking about Snoop Dogg being better at the First Amendment than most conservatives. It's number three. How dangerous is InfoWars? Well, Facebook believes it's so dangerous that you can be banned from using the platform, Facebook, just for sharing its content unless you simultaneously denounce it. Let that penetrate for just one moment. Think about it just for a second. Mark Zuckerberg is not simply censoring opinions. He's prescribing which political opinions you're allowed to have, which conversations all of us in this country can have about America. Keep in mind that nobody voted for Mark Zuckerberg. He's 34 years old. He's completely cut off from reality. He's worth $72 billion. And yet he can single-handedly make our First Amendment irrelevant after 250 years. I mean, how tragic is it that Snoop Dogg, who encouraged his 32 million followers to flood Facebook and Instagram with Louis Farrakhan videos, has a better grasp of the principle of freedom of speech than 90% of journalists. The same journalists who whine about Trump targeting the media then pop champagne corks when anyone on the right gets silenced. This has nothing to do with hate, whatever that means. This is about you beginning to lose the argument culturally and politically. So I want to make a point about the fact that he highlighted that Mark Zuckerberg is worth $72 billion. So he's also a proponent of open borders. He thinks that the people from the third world should all be allowed to come living here in America. But in the same token, he's bought up all of the vacant property around him and the properties that are owned by people. He just would come in and make them an outrageous offer that they couldn't refuse so he could buy their land and raise their house so that he could have a buffer zone around his property of, you know, miles and miles and miles. So in other words, you can't just drive up to his house without him knowing about it because you have to enter the perimeter of his property and then drive and drive and drive and drive and drive. And you have to know where you're going because he, like I said, He's bought up whole subdivisions around his home to give himself a buffer zone because he believes that, you know, us regular folks who aren't worth $70 billion, we're not the ones he wants to be rubbing elbows with, uh, you know, unless we work for Facebook and he's their overlord, you know. So there's one thing I want to point out about that money, though, that's $72 billion. $72 billion means that Mark Zuckerberg, instead of buying up the properties around his home, he could literally hire entire companies to go down to South America. He could hire mercenaries to take out drug lords. Come on, we're talking about operating outside of the United States. He could hire companies to go down and construct entire subdivisions down there. He could put all kinds of companies themselves. Remember, We've seen this with so many basketball players and football players. When they get a realization of how much money they're making, $22 million a year, once they bought a couple of houses and some cars and, you know, they've set their family up, they start to think, I could go back in my neighborhood and I could, you know, and you see them do that. They'll go in their neighborhood and they'll hire everybody that they graduated from high school with that doesn't have a job and they give them jobs. They start companies. Shaquille O'Neal owns like a million McDonald's franchises because he just, that was what he wanted to do. He's employing people. 
he's realized that outside of enriching himself, he can actually make a difference in the lives of other people with the money that he earns that is so outrageous. The money he earns is so outrageous. So he's set up for life himself, but he's gone back and poured into. And my question about Mark Zuckerberg is, how does he with $72 billion spend all of his time mining our data and sharing our personal private information but he's never once said, I'm going to go down to South America, you know, to Venezuela, Honduras, any one of these countries. And I'm going to instead of sitting up and meeting with world leaders and trying to figure out how I can help China have more Facebook and more control over their people and clamp down on them and help them with their social scoring system. How about if I stay in my own hemisphere? How about if I help my fellow Americans by giving people who live in South America who are breaking into our country an opportunity in their own country? I, I mean, I'm not I'm not exaggerating here. Seventy two billion dollars. Look, President Trump, look at the things he was able to do philanthropically before he became the president. And he was worth what? Five billion. Five billion. Now, I know you're probably sitting there listening to this. You might be driving or whatever you're doing. And you're like, five billion is hard to wrap your mind around. It is for me, too. When I look at our budget and then I think about five billion, those are not in the same universe. Right. I don't, I don't, it's not something I'm used to working with. Those numbers that, that, I just don't know anything about it. But then you take from 5 billion, you go over here to $72 billion. And this man is sitting up at work right now, reading your DMs to your husband in your Facebook account. Give me a break. All right. I want to give you this info again. If you loved uh, Barbie and Terry Franklin from last segment, afastore.net or call 877-927-4917. 877-927-4917-2499. God bless from the heartland. Stick around for onenewsnow.com news and information.